Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, let's go through the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Now, this has a theme to it. If you'll catch it, the theme is in the beginning and at the end of the chapter, whereas the middle of the chapter seems to be where we put most of our concentration. Is our sound still off? Something wrong with the sound? Oh, okay. It wasn't very good on the, on the thing. Something was going on with that, but um, with the video clip. Uh, Paul's writing here, chapter 4, the heading of it says, Unity of the Body of Christ. But the theme of my message today is three things every Christian, I believe, needs to incorporate into their life, in their walk. Um, the, the one thing in that video clip was the cure for boredom. What is it? Adventure. Adventure. Well, walking with the Holy Spirit is an adventure. These three things will definitely create adventure in your life. The gifts, the anointing, and the principles necessary to live a godly life. So many times as Christians, we emphasize one of those three things. Oh, the gifts, they're everything. We've just got to focus on the gifts. Others, just the anointing. Just walk in the anointing. Just walk under the power of God and in the anointing of God, and your life's a mess. Your marriage is a mess. Your children are a mess. Everything can be a mess. But you've got the anointing to get up there. And people go, wow, that, what a powerful thing. And others simply want to rely on principles. If you live the right life, things will go well. Well, all of these things are meant by God to be incorporated together and work together in unity in your life to make you a complete, mature, powerful Christian man and woman and child of God. Amen? So let's begin. Therefore, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation... Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Now you see the theme he's setting. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, I know that none of us in here have faults, except for the other person you're sitting next to. And I've noticed this in Christian life. We have a lot of grace for people we don't know very well. But as we get to know one another more closely, uh, we have less grace for those faults. We become focused on them. Uh, we become critical of those faults. But it says, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, 
just as you have been called to the glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and living through all. Now, see, the next time you're not making an allowance for the fault you see in your brother or sister or spouse or child or whatever it might be, I'm not dealing with corrective behavior right now, okay? That has its place too. We're dealing with this. What's the first part of corrective behavior is make an allowance that people are filled with faults, shortcomings, issues, and yet filled with gifts, anointing, and the principles and life of God. However, he has given each one of us, say us, now say me, a special gift. Through the generosity of Christ, that is why the Scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a, group, a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended, descended is the one who ascended, then all the heavens... Um, higher, ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. How many saw those northern lights not long ago? Man, could you not look up there and go, God, you fill the universe with your presence. Now, these gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, we see these five, called the fivefold gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There's also many other gifts. We'll get into that briefly. Which of these is the most vital, the most important gift? You see, in our human thinking, we think in terms of, uh, of um, promotion. Well, I start out down here, maybe deacon, and eventually I get recognized to eldership and overseer, and then maybe I'll be recognized as a teacher and a pastor, and I'm elevating, I'm promoting myself to apostle. But once you get there, what's next? Angelhood? These are not promotional gifts. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit to cause each individual to function within the family, within the body of Christ. These are given to the church. I have noticed a trend as, uh, once again, the apostolic was uh, 
becoming more and more prevalent and recognized in the body of Christ. It's something we've kind of lost for a number of years, and now in the last 20, 30 years, there's been a lot of emphasis that there are apostles still today. And a lot of our standard that we get of apostle is that of Apostle Paul, but there were many apostles in the Bible that did many other functions. But Paul, being a writer of so much of it and being uh, the type of apostle he was, that's what we get a preeminent view of. But with this big emphasis, I noticed people didn't really want to be teachers anymore. They didn't really want to be shepherds or pastors anymore or evangelists. They wanted to be apostles. When Nancy and I were helping a church out down in Colorado Springs one time, um, one of the things I noticed right away, there was a lack of uh, fellowship among the pastors in the area. So I started, let's meet together. Let's pray together. And we've got a few people together. And this man heard about it, and he showed up. He was, we're about... 12 miles out of Colorado Springs up there, up Ute Pass in this little sleepy village of Green Mountain Falls. And this fellow's down here in, in Colorado Springs, and he comes up and he introduces himself to us, and he says, I just wanted to let you all know, introduce myself to you, and let you know I'm the apostle over the area. We were very excited. He'd written a book. And uh, we went, well, that's great. You know, that's, that's, that's good, you know. We're so happy. We don't know what that meant. I, I know what an apostle is. I know what the gift is. But to make it the focus of who you are, I don't think how, that's how God intended the gifts to function. God intended you to function as you are, who you are, the way you are, with faults and warts and everything. And in that, he will produce apostolic ministry. Bob Bergeron, you may not understand this, he's, he's our missionary, right? And he's a teacher. He's an ordained teacher. But when he goes out on the mission field, he may not even know this. But that's apostolic work. Doesn't mean he's an apostle. But that gift can work in him during that time and during that season. I get around a group of prophet, prophetic people, prophets, and it does something to me. All of a sudden, I become, man, insights I didn't have and way of viewing I didn't have. And I get pretty excited and I get prophetic. You know, it doesn't make me a prophet. Being in a garage doesn't make me a car. But it makes me appreciate the car that's there. Still with me? Yeah. You're going to hang in there for a couple more minutes? I can cut it short. Okay. It's actually only 11.08, but the government has taken over. <laughs> Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, one point in time in my life, I heard a message preached by a man named Jim Durkin, who was an apostle that influenced my life and a pastor. And he was preaching, and he said, how a person knows they're a pastor is they don't trust any of the, of, of the other gifts with their sheep. And at that moment, I went, 
hey, I have the gift of pastor. I don't trust any of you with my sheep. But the apostle, the prophet, you know, those are like, yeah, yeah, we want to elevate to that. The evangelist, he's kind of cool because he's kind of free roaming. Comes in, challenges you, tell you to get up off your butts and do something. Win some souls to Christ, and then he leaves town. I want to talk about the pastor for a minute. The shepherd that has to care for the sheep. That's a tough job. You know, we got a great pastor in Vic and Larissa. He's young, and he's got a lot of faults. And I love that about him. I really do, because God has a hold of the heart, and on that heart, he's put the, the gift of a shepherd. Now, the gift of a shepherd has some uh, difficulties for us as sheep to have to understand and navigate. The pastor carries things, carries a load that we'll never understand. He's with you and celebrating in your good times, and he carries the burden of all of your, your heartache, and he carries the burden of, of uh, tragedy and, and, and things that happen to a person's life. He's there to bless your child when they're uh, born. He's there to help you in your marriage. He's here to help you through a, a divorce. He's just all aspects of life. But the thing that's the most difficult of all is that Christians don't ever want to be open and honest about their faults with their pastor. And then they're mad at him when he doesn't know it. One thing the gift of pastor does not have is the ability to read your mind. Praise God for that. We'd go through pastors every 30 minutes. The shepherd gets you out of the thickets when you're caught in them. The shepherd protects you from wolves. The, the shepherd keeps an atmosphere of the church service in a certain direction so that it doesn't just go off the rails. They can go off the rails. I've seen them go off the rails in my experience over the years, um, especially in the area of the prophetic. Now, prophesying. I should clarify, prophesying, not the prophetic. There is a difference. All may prophesy, which is inspired speaking. So it's, it's different than the gift of pastor or of prophet, but prophesying. And I've heard some crazy prophecies over the years. I remember in a meeting one time, um, having a good time of worship, good time of fel- uh, just atmosphere of Christ, and all of a sudden this person starts to hyperventilate. And I'm like, uh-oh. I see it coming. And all of a sudden he lets out, I am grieved with you. <clears throat> this wonderful atmosphere of worship. <sighs> so as a pastor, you've got to handle that. So I said, brother, we appreciate your, your 
prophecy there, but I, I think it was a personal prophecy for yourself. I mean, what do you do? I've heard some crazy ones from other, other church experiences that I didn't personally experience, but a sister got up and yelled, you know, the Ichabod, you know what the word Ichabod means, the glory of the Lord has left. And she gets up and she wants to say, you know, this church no longer is walking in glory. So her prophecy is the Lord speaks Ichabod over this church, but she muffed it up and she said that the Lord speaks Michelob over this church. And somebody yelled out, light. Um, we had a, uh, early days, folks showed up and uh, we had a guest speaker from India, Brother Matthew. All guys from India are named Brother. That's their first name, Brother. Brother Paul, Brother Matthew, Brother Jackson, you know. But, uh, Brother Matthew, little tiny guy, wonderful man, but he was our guest speaker that day, and this guy had never been to our church before, and he brought his brother-in-law and his, his, his sister and brother-in-law. And anyway, he decides to give a prophecy, and he says something, 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 I don't remember, and he, he says, uh, the Lord's not pleased with you, and he is going to, and he looks right at his brother-in-law, he's going to take you and snap you like a twig. Well, now you've got to handle that as a pastor, you know. That kind of damages the, the church. The atmosphere, like, oh, what's going to happen now? So, um, again, you just try to, I always try to do it with a little humor. Again, another personal prophecy. Um, but the neat thing was that brother-in-law it shook him up, and he came to Christ. They came over to our home afterwards, and Brother Matthew just said, I don't know about that twig thing, but I know that Christ wants to save you and save your soul, and he got saved. And uh, so God's gifts will operate in the midst of, you know, humans. All right, I'll move on. But these gifts, there's not a person in this room that's left without a gift. And then it goes on to say, in some cases, severally, as it pleases him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, talks about the other gifts, the gifts of administration, gifts of evangelism, gifts of faith, discernment, exhortation, gifts of giving, healing, helps, hospitality, gift of knowledge. Every one of these gifts make a beautiful picture. We went to uh, the Performing Arts Center uh, Friday night with our grandkids and kids. They took us, and we saw uh, Carmina Barana. It's a it's a symphony orchestra along with a huge choir. And they all work together. And when the, when the choir is belting it out and the symphony is going, it's just, wow, it just overwhelms the senses because it's so beautiful when things are uh, working 
together the way they're intended. And I got a kick out of this one little gal over here. You can't really see her. She's over there. And the whole time, this, all this stuff's going on. And it's a, it's a German um, musical. And I thought the guy really wasn't good with lyrics. But music, he was really talented. But anyway, I'm watching this gal. And she's reading the music. All this is going on. It thrilled my heart. I told Nancy, look at that little gal over there. Little old lady, you know. Just all this going on. She's only got two things going. A little ding, ding, ding. She has to watch the whole thing, be a part of it, because she wants to serve. All these gifts make a beautiful symphony, make a beautiful illustration, and they only operate in a framework of servants. The attitude of serving. If you don't have the attitude of serving, don't be an apostle. Don't be a pastor. Don't be an evangelist. Don't be anything, please. <laughs> Just serve. I, I've discovered in, in many years of, of uh, ministry, there's not a lot of people lined up to clean the bathrooms. We don't think in terms of service. I'm not saying I want a big line of people. Oh, I've got to do, do the, clean the bathrooms now. No, you should do what's in your heart to do. I'm just saying that service isn't the first thing that comes to mind, but we've got a wonderful sister here that comes and cleans our building every week. Because <laughs> she has a heart to serve. When you serve in the least and you're faithful in the least you'll be faithful in the greater things. I want to be, see, so that's why I'm saying in this, in this chapter, it begins with a theme and we focus on the middle. But that's not what God's heart is. God's saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've given you. But here's what's necessary for this to function. And that is, be humble and gentle and patient with each other, make an allowance for other people's faults, for the faults, their faults because of your love. Keep every, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Well, let's read on now over here. Um, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. It helps the other parts grow. Amen. Your part helps the other part grow. Pastor Vic, I've been at this a long time, and then Pastor Vic comes on the scene, and he has these tremendous titles, you know, to his message. I've never done that. I'm like, ah, this is what I got, you know. So now I'm challenged, not in a competitive way, but in a, uplifted way, I'm like, I got to come up with a good title for my message. You know, and coming into this, I literally thought of naming my message, I got nothing. <laughs> Just because my mind works weird. 
Um, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now I'm going to skip down because somebody's yawning. To verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, get rid of all anger, don't be harsh with your words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You have a gift. I'm going to pick on Peter here for a moment. He has a, an interesting gift. He's really mindful of other people. He's, he'll, he'll like say something or, or he'll, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I'll, I'll go, oh, wow, I didn't think about this, and I didn't think about that. What do you think about doing this for somebody? And I'm like, hmm, that's a cool gift. I like that gift. And it helps complete me. Don't look at any of the things as something you want to um, be promoted to. The Bible talks about aspiring to, but that's aspiring to want to bring glory to God through your life, through service. Jesus put it this way. Well, first of all, let's finish with anointing. I got the gifts out of the way. Anointing, very simple. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You want anointing? Become friends with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he was baptized by John, was not fully anointed until the Spirit of God came down and lit upon him. In the book of Acts also, I think it's in chapter um, 19, Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit, or it could be 18, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? He's talking to believers. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, well, we, we didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And he says, oh, well, let's get it for you. So he baptized them in water and laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit and they all spoke in tongues. Here's an interesting thing about the church. You still with me? Six more minutes. Can you give me six more? Um, here's the thing about Christianity today that just really, that's a fault I'm still having issues with. You can talk to a lot of Christians and they're like, oh, you know, I read my horoscope every day. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. Oh, I practice yoga. Okay, it doesn't really mean anything. I, and, you know, you may do those things. I'm going to overlook it. I am. Um, 
they say, uh, oh, you know, did you read the latest Harry Potter, you know, in Hogwarts Academy? And, you, you know, yet to those same Christians, you go, have you received the Holy Spirit? Say, oh, 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 oh. You know, we're more friendly with things that are not of the Holy Spirit than we are welcoming of the Holy Spirit. You know, you welcome the Holy Spirit in your life, and if he doesn't like that other stuff in your life, he'll deal with it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to love you. If he doesn't want it in you, he'll tell you. But you got to be his friend. A good friend tells you what's good for you. Okay. Four minutes. I just wanted to keep you on toes so that you're not getting anxious going, is this guy ever going to stop? Um, <laughs> principles. What kind of principles should we live by? What kind of principles should we practice? Micah 6 is a good one. Walk humbly before God. Humility is such a good principle. It's so good to actually be the most humble person in the room and be able to tell everybody that. <laughs> I was talking with a, a friend I've been uh, um, recently acquainted with, a, a new friend we've been making, and uh, he was a Salvation Army pastor for a number of years and missionary for 20 years. And he said every year he had to do an evaluation. And in the, evaluate, in, in the evaluation was a question of how humble are you? One through five. <laughs> he, he goes, how do you answer that? If you say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one or I'm a five, you know. So he says, I just put three on everything and send it into headquarters. But you know, he said that was such a hard question. How do you judge humility? Humility is honoring God and recognizing him as your creator. And that will humble you. That will bring you into a place of humility. Humility, a good principle. Faith is a good principle. Charity, love is a good principle. Self-control is an absolute necessity principle. We can't just live uh, aimlessly. You know, we can't just cast off restraint. We want to have a good testimony. If you want to have these gifts function and be recognized, have a good testimony with it. I, I, I've known a brother, wonderful brother, love him. Had to talk to him many times. He had a tremendous gift, wonderful gift. And yet, he was a compulsive liar. I mean, huge lies. But, you know, he could have been a politician. The bigger the liar, the more you're likely to get elected. Sorry, I don't mean to keep harping on that, but it seems like that might be the case. Um, anyway... I kept talking to him. This is ruining your testimony. People recognize the gift of God in your life, 
But then they see this and they go, I don't get it. I can't trust you. I said, you need to, you need to really turn this over to the Holy Spirit in your life and, and let him give you some self-control. Virtue, wisdom, mercy. Find a place to serve and do it well at your job, in what you do with your coworkers, those outside the church. You want to have a good testimony, and the best way to have a good testimony is serve. When you are servant-minded, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Now, that word servant's not really correct there. If you look at the correct wording of how Jesus said it, it's slave. Now, here's the difference. A servant comes and does a task, possibly gets paid for it, and goes home. A slave does what his master tells him and eventually becomes a part of the family. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.